I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles as we live as faithful Catholics in this great land. Welcome back for another episode, folks. We are glad you are with us. We are in the third week of the legislative session. 38 days is all we have. 38 working days spread out over the course of about two months. And we are not quite yet halfway through it. Lots of bills are being filed. There is a lot of uh, fur flying, as one of my uncles likes to say. The sausage is being made as we speak. Grateful for you checking back in with us. We're going to do some kind of fun today. Um, We've got uh, a previous contributor to this program back on the show, Dr. Chris Bergwald. Dr. Bergwald, welcome back. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. Glad we're here. You know, as I kind of just get really rolling uh, during the legislative session, it's kind of nice to just like sit down, take a deep breath, and talk about some of these things with friends. Because mm. one of the things that kind of happens in uh, the sausage is being made, as I say, sometimes I describe it as like the pressure cooker, where you really feel like, oh, what's happening? Passions can start to fly. Yep. So it's good to just like take a deep breath, talk about some of these things with, um, you know, with a friend that's maybe not like quite as in the heat of the moment. Yeah. That's what I want to do. Today. Okay. <laughs> a, is this really for you, Chris? <laughs> it, it kind of is. Um, and uh, I couldn't think of anybody better to do it with than you, my, Thanks. my dear friend. So, hey, before we kind of launch into this, there's some exciting things happening in your world. We haven't like caught up in a while. What's what's going on in D and E right now? Discipleship yeah, and so we are about to um, launch. Would be formally be, we've launched it. Uh, it's about to begin here in a few weeks to be in February, the School of Missionary Discipleship, mm. uh, which uh, we're, we are really excited about in the Office of Discipleship Evangelization. This will be um, um, an opportunity, a multi-year, it's, it's a multi-year formation process. <laughs> no, but this is a, it's a robust formation process for people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ and their ability to share him with others. It, we, it looks like a great program. <clears throat> yeah. Where do people, if they want to sign up, where do they go? Yeah, it's uh, sfcatholic.org slash SMD, School of Missionary Discipleship. SMD. Can't simple. get much easier than that. It. It's awesome. Hey, so one of the things you and Bill were kind of teasing me about this. Yeah, yeah. So this You're lobbyist your... badge. You don't, did you need that again in this building? I don't no, think no, so. No, actually, uh, <laughs> Terry was not standing at the door like, hey, who are you? Um, no, and actually, so it's it's pretty easy to get into our state capitol. Only this is, I think, our second or maybe even third year now of um, – even having security at the door. Anybody mm. can walk in, no security previously, but now they actually have one of those metal detectors. And Anyhow, so this is, this is my lobbyist badge. Yeah. I'm required to wear this according to state law. It says South Dakota Catholic Conference. And one of the things that I kind of run into in my work sometimes is people getting a little confused in the sense of like looking at Catholic bishops like just another lobby group. And so I have to at times kind of just take a step back and say— a little different. How, how would you, because I know you get this difference, how would you describe this difference between Catholic bishops, South Dakota Catholic Conference, and any other 
lobbyists, you know, because we're all wearing the badge. Right, right. I, yeah, I think I think there's a few different ways, a few different distinctions. The first thing that comes to my mind, uh, thinking of what's the difference between the the South Dakota or a Catholic conference uh, where you're wearing the badge that literally says lobbyist, as you said, uh, and and other lobbyists. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I, I, it seems to me that maybe not all, but most lobbyists are advocating for specific policy proposals. Yeah. As the norm. Yeah. Whereas a Catholic conference representing the bishops of a state, as is the case of South Dakota, representing the bishops of Sioux Falls and Rapid City, uh, you are advocating not necessarily uh, poly policy prescriptions or proposals, but principles yes. which should underlie hopefully every bill uh, that it becomes law in the state of South Dakota. Well put. And there's so much prudence that goes into the, all the policy prescriptions. And we do weigh in in prudence, but really seeking to promote a consensus around principles. So yeah, thanks. That's some Did I pass, by the way? You know, what? We, I've got a soundboard here. Do I get the right answer? Yeah. I, did, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. Uh, next topic. <clears throat> Marijuana. Oh. What's, what's the view from somebody who's like not in the throes of it? What do you, what, what are, people think I mean, what do you see in the news and where are you at on this no no so I, I so i'm excited to talk about this and i hope you don't have to like stop the recording to no. uh because you and i uh with with another colleague in the building had a little exchange uh part of my role as listeners probably wouldn't know is i'm the theological advisor or editor what's what's the masthead say I'm the theological editor for the Bishop's Bulletin. Oh. So part of my job is, uh, as a theologian, to review the content of everything in the, the Bishop's Bulletin, which is the monthly magazine for the Diocese of Sioux Falls, just to make sure that there's nothing there which is contrary to what we believe as Catholics. And my good friend, my esteemed colleague <laughs> uh, from <laughs> uh, you, yes. Um, for I think it was for January's issue yep. had put something in there and, and you talked, you raised this question about the recreation, not far from the medical question, the recreational <laughs> air quotes for those who might be listening uh, use of marijuana. Uh, and I don't remember you were, you were kind of matter of fact about its sinfulness. And I just sort of, throughout and, and just recently, Chris, I used the word vice vice. Yes. I said It's a vice. Yes. Yes. So just just this week in another uh, a national Catholic um, publication, uh, th this this question was raised because I, I sort of just devil's advocated. I like to test ideas. I said, but, but I mean, it's legitimate to use um, quote unquote drugs like alcohol for recreational purposes, tobacco for recreational purposes. What's the principle that distinguishes alcohol or tobacco use? from marijuana use and and do you can you remind me Hold and on. our this listener is one of my questions for you actually oh. <laughs> what's the because we, we're going to get to this question um alcohol marijuana i'm yeah, glad yeah. you're bringing this up yeah. but before we get there yes what help us understand intoxication yes and yes, just yes, like yes. moral <clears throat> yeah. teaching on intoxication yeah. so um, this is very clear. Whatever, whatever kind of drug we're talking about, uh, if I'm intoxicated, I, I have impaired to we're talking about intoxication. I've significantly impaired my rational faculty, my ability to think. Right. And if you've ever been in the unfortunate state of being intoxicated, um, you, you, you do not think clearly. And our reason is part of what makes us personal beings. It's an intrinsic dimension of what makes us 
human beings. We're created by God uh, in his image and likeness. And specifically, it speaks to our ability to reason, our intellect, and to choose freely, our free will. So reason and free will. So when I, of my own volition, deliberately impair or impede my ability to reason well, uh, I am violating who and what I was created to be by my creator. Yeah. So, so if I, to set out to get drunk yes. is, is, a vi- is, is, is sinful for that reason. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Which brings us back to, you, you pressed me a little bit, playing yeah. devil's advocate. Okay, why is this a vice? And my response was, well, there are plenty of people that will have a drink. Their purpose is not to get drunk. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's fine. But when we talk about recreational marijuana use, we're talking about people who are ingesting, smoking, imbibing, whatever the case may be, putting that, that chemical component of, of the marijuana plant in their body for the purpose of becoming high or stoned, right. which is <clears throat> intoxication. intoxication. Yep. So, so is, is your point then that you only use marijuana if you want to get intoxicated? I mean, rec- recreationally, right? not therapeutically, medically. You know, there are all sorts of drugs that could be used for those purposes. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we can use the principle of double effect to, to say that um, we're intending something else, which is a legitimate end, a therapeutic or medicinal purpose. And, yeah. and there's yeah. a, a wrongful impact that is foreseen but not intended. Yep. And then that's now not, you can't say across the board, therefore the action is okay. Right. But if you're weighing. Right. There's for, still a proportionality. Yes. Proportionality. It's a right. good reason. Yes. To permit this unintended, well, foreseen, but unintended side effect or consequence. Another thing, which I think is also relevant here. Um, and this was actually brought out in the article that I, that I just came across the other day. Um, now, this is not formal Catholic Church teaching, but it is it is a consensus among Catholic moral theologians, those who who, in light of what God has revealed to us, study human action and and the nature of vice and virtue and yes. good and evil and so on. Uh, and they they um, the the general consensus is so certainly drunkenness would be uh, if, if if I deliberately to go out, intend to go out and just get hammered, yeah, that's gravely sinful. Um, but even if I intend to merely get quote unquote tipsy, that that would be venially sinful. It's a category. So so yeah. sinful, not not serious yeah. sin, yeah. but that would that intention by itself, yeah. because I am impeding not significantly, yes. but I am deliberately, deliberately yes. to a certain extent, impeding my ability to think well. Hmm. And the Lord knows I need all the help to think well I can get Christmas. Yes. Right. So, so even if I, even if I, with regard to alcohol or tobacco, if I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get drunk, but I want to, I want to, I want to yeah. get a good buzz going as, yes. as they might say. That that itself would be not gravely sinful, but venially sinful for for a similar reason. Because I'm choosing, I'm desiring to impede this faculty that God has given me. Okay. So I think going to marijuana then, then it becomes clear why marijuana would always be morally problematic. Boy, we could keep talking about this because I... Uh, just keep oh, you have other things to talk about. Okay, uh, yeah, all right. Um, is this okay. a lightning round? This well, is a lightning round. This is like speed I really, dating. I mean, oh, we'll come back another time. I really want to talk about sin. In society. All right. Um, yeah, another that's time. another episode yeah. though. Yeah.
Okay. What about the last question on marijuana? And then let's move on. What about this question about decriminalization? Can't we just like accept its social presence? And why do we really have to like put it in the, in the realm of criminal law? And we could talk about criminal law too, with like proportionality and punishment fitting a crime. But what are, you, what are your thoughts here? Well, I, I know you as the lawyer will be quick. I mean, the lawyer is a great, the law is a great teacher. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, you do not, you do not, you don't make every vice a crime, uh, certainly, but because the law is such a, such a powerful teacher in any society, um, if you already have a law in place, which criminalizes something yes. by decriminalizing, you are teaching something. Yeah. Do we really, is this really something that we want to quote unquote teach? Yeah. Do we want to embody the idea that the use of marijuana, uh, even for quote unquote recreational purposes, um, is neutral or even good? Yeah. Because that's what decriminalization criminalization says. Okay. Hit the ding, ding, ding. <laughs> okay. Next topic. Um, the Catholic conference did not have a position on the prayer in schools bill. Yeah. Uh, moment of silence legislation. Which I saw just. Uh, died this morning, died this uh, morning. nine, six in committee. What's, I mean, what's your sense from just kind of the media about, I don't know. You have any thoughts on this one? No, no. So I, do we have time to talk about this yeah, one? We could. We... And I think one of the questions that comes up for people is like, there's always this sort of, uh, church and state. Oh yeah, I know. Well, so tell me and maybe the listeners. Um, so I, I did see the headline. What was the bill proposing? What would the bill have uh, entailed? Where had it become law? Every public school at the beginning of the school day um, would have required that teachers just say, hey, okay, now we're going to have our moment of silence. Start the stopwatch one minute up. Okay, minutes up. Now back to, so just silence for a minute. And, you know, kids could have pulled their own prayer card out of their desk or whatever. Or, you know, it's just a moment of silence. Yeah. So just for me, Chris Bergwald. Yeah. Uh, I, subsidiarity. I'm all yeah. about subsidiarity lately. And I, I, to have the freedom to do that. Sure. So, so if there were something blocking school districts from sure. doing that, I, I would want have wanted to see that obstacle removed, yep. but to sort of, yeah, sure. I'm not about mandates lately, Chris. Uh, we're not going to go there. Okay, so just to be clear, Catholic Conference didn't have a position in this bill. There's, you know, a lot of room for prudential judgment. Yeah. Catholics in good conscience, of course, could could throw their weight behind it um, 100%. No, no issues there, but just curious. Yeah. Lots of different takes. But, um, and we'll see if it, it could bounce back. It's not over till it's over. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be against that bill, yeah, but yeah. I, I would, I, I'm not crushed that it was defeated. Okay. Okay, as this uh, episode is going to air, last Saturday was the 49th anniversary of Roe versus yeah. Wade. Do you have any particular memories? I mean, you're a few, few years older than me. What does the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade mean for you? So I was born in 73, later in 73. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Theor te wow. Technically, I don't know what the, the statutes in Minnesota were, how quickly they yeah. changed. Uh, well, they would have changed immediately in January, right? I mean, uh, abortion, whatever. Law, yeah. I may not be here. Of course, sure. that was obviously not the case, but it's always been part of my life, in other words. So uh, abortion, uh, Roe v. Wade was passed 
near the very beginning of my literal existence. So yeah. it's always just been a part of my life. I became, I think as we, I'm sure we've talked about this before, came sort of relatively young while well, still in elementary school, really interested in politics, to be honest. And, yeah. and, and abortion sort of appeared, but for me, until my reversion in college, it was, I, I, I tended to see abortion primarily through the political lens rather than a lens of faith. Yeah. Um, so seeing it as wrong, yes. um, but primarily as a quote unquote conservative matter. And it wasn't until uh, my deepening of faith in my reversion during college that I came to see. Now, this is, I mean, there are all sorts of uh, people on every part of the political spectrum who recognize the grave evil that is abortion and therefore uh, the grave injustice that Roe versus Wade um, promulgated, in a sense, uh, in our country at least. So. Yeah, it's always been part of my life. To be honest, Chris, I'm <laughs> so with this court, th this case that the court uh, has already heard and will be deciding later this year. Um, I, I, w I was attentive in 91 uh, Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Yeah. Um, I and I, I'm I'm going to wait and see how things unfold. I'm some people are very, very excited and optimistic. I'm hopeful. Yes. But I've been here before. Yes. Um, on many issues, not just the abortion issue, were and the, the where the court has to be trite, let me down. Yeah, that's a that's a great point too. You don't put not your trust in princes. Yep. And we can certainly hope, but to sort of pin all of our happiness in life on what the court is going to yep. do. Yep. You know, one of the things that I know was present back in '91 with Planned Parenthood versus Casey when everybody was let down, but there's been this question of like incrementalism versus yep. just go for the all out everything that is to be frank, just provoked um, discord within the pro-life movement. And I'm concerned just within the attentiveness to spiritual things that the evil one is going to try and provoke um, similar sorts of discord. Division. Yeah, division. Any spiritual wisdom for pro-lifers as we approach this key moment with the Dobbs case coming up next spring, summer? Yeah, I... Um so I, I just, I headlined, didn't read the article, but headlining a Catholic publication, another Catholic publication just this week as well. Um, abortion rights supporters are already preparing for a post row reality. Are we? Uh, and so just I, I, presumably again, I didn't read the article. Like we need to prepare and plan and so on. And I do think there's prudence in that. Um, to be honest, I think the thing that's coming to my mind first and foremost right now is between now and the decision to be praying and to be honest, fasting Yes, for the true right and just decision to be made. And I think certainly some of us who are called or will be called to, okay, if, if that does unfold, um, to, to, we should be thinking about the possibility, but I really, my attention right now is, is very much on this decision and what can I do? I mean, the justices are not politicians. I'm not, I'm not going to be sending in letters to the Supreme court, you know, uh, uh, advocating for my position. Uh, but I can pray and I can fast. Well, and speaking of letters to the court, you're right. You can't do that. Quick shout out though. Um, this last fall, it was <clears throat> big amicus brief committed to this, sure. And that's kind of how you write a letter yep. to the court. Um, co-signed by uh, both governor and Noam. It was all women, 200 and some um, women making the case that, look, we don't need abortion to be um, professionally accomplished. 
So uh, kudos to Governor Noem, as well as a number of professional South Dakota women who signed, signed that uh, amicus brief. Um, so pray and fast, great spiritual counsel. Yep. Okay, another topic that is going to be returning to the legislature. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to see it coming back. It's been up there before. Uh, a bill to kind of curtail the death penalty in some limited respects when it's proven that the defendant suffers from a, a serious mental illness. This, um, this issue, I, just to be really candid, I know that there are Catholics out there that, not that there's um, any distrust with the church, but it's just an issue that they, they feel, and I think it's sort of a, a righteous sort of feeling, they feel an obligation and justice to victims to, um, to really take seriously grave and heinous crimes. I've also heard Catholics that have really come to see how um, opposition to the death penalty and wanting to get rid of it in our civil law is in fact a powerful statement um, for the dignity of life. Many people have testified to our former uh, Bishop Robert Carlson as being helpful to them Mm -hmm. in their hearts opening on this issue any, do you have anything to offer folks that are maybe still kind of sorting through this and these, these questions of justice? And So for me, this, this is uh, definitely an issue where when I had the reversion that I mentioned earlier during college, where there was a, and, and for me, thanks be to God, it's a pretty quick flip uh, where I had been fervent, well, firmly, firmly pro-death penalty. Mm. Uh, as as an engaged watcher of things political, um, and my reversion uh, happens, and I read within a, a year or two um, the relatively new encyclical of now Saint John Paul II, Evangelium Vitae, yeah. the Gospel of Life, and where he just sort of lays out uh, not um, not arguing as a politician, but just as a, as as a shepherd as a theologian, as a philosopher, as a man of God, mm. um, the church's not intrinsic opposition, uh, important distinction to the death penalty, but the reason why prudentially it's increasingly necess- necessar- less necessary, at least in Western societies. So, so I read that and I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, and as I reflected on, okay, why f- f- this is very much for me and, and others will have different rationales, but I came to see that for me, um, I had confused unintentionally justice with vengeance. Ah. So um, for me, my, my support of the death penalty, um, I, 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 I was take, well, they, they get what's coming to them. Yeah. Uh, vengeance and justice are not the same thing, but my thinking was governed more by uh, a, a mentality of vengeance than of justice. Uh, and that was helpful. And there's some other distinctions that I came across in articles, you know, how um, we don't always impose as as a matter of justice, the the penalty, if you will, uh, which is the sa- of the same nature as the crime that I committed. Yeah. Um, so somebody who is um, found guilty of uh, physical abuse of a spouse or something, we don't beat them. Right. We imprison them. Right, and I came to say, okay. Well, we, the the nature of the penalty imposed as a matter of uh, retributive justice is distinct from the crime that was committed all the time. So for me, I came to see okay, just because yes, they killed somebody, that doesn't mean that as a matter of justice, they need to be killed themselves. Okay, 
tax credit scholarships. <laughs> I'm transitioning. Yeah. That was a great. Give that yourself was a, another ding, that ding, was ding. A, but that we need another <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That was a great answer. And I think just your personal experience too is, is really beautiful. Thanks. We've got it. Tax credit uh, scholarships. Tax credit Go. scholarships. Yeah. So this, this last week, uh, flew out of committee five to one, flew off the Senate floor 27 to five. Wow. There's a bill to expand the South Dakota Partners in Education Tax Credit Scholarship Program. The program's currently capped at $2 million, bumping it up to 3.5. And in really briefly how it works is insurance companies get a credit against their tax bill to the state if they donate to the program. Um, this for me, I, I want to hear your experience, but for me, I didn't know that the church had a teaching on this before I started working for the Catholic Conference a little over four years ago. I, how did... Have, have you long been aware of the church's teaching? What's the, I, I don't know. Gravissimum educationis. Oh, it's, okay. it's a second Vatican council. It's in the catechism. It's this teaching that, in fact, the public authorities have a duty to provide subsidies or tax credits to make sure that parents are truly free to choose the education that is best suited to their child. Uh, is the, the okay? Give me a look now. I'd be curious to know what the actual. I, mean, I, I find it a little bit hard to believe that the words tax credit or Okay, the word um, subsidies is in gravissimo really? educaciones. Okay, subsidies. Okay. And the word tax credit is um, a phrase that's used by the U.S. bishops in their forming consciences for faithful citizenship. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's true. I, it's, and it's it's like the only place I'm aware of that, I mean, there's a lot of principles that we're talking about. Yeah. But even in social doctrine, providing for the poor and health, I mean, but even there, the church doesn't say thou shalt spend money. Right, right. But, but it actually does. And I've read that document, but I mean, read it in college and did not, wasn't thinking of public policy proposals. So that is literally right now news to me. Okay. Well, now you know. So now I know. Now you know. Okay. So what was your question about? Now I know. What was your question about well, it? Though? I apologize. Maybe you did. I thought maybe you would know and you could explain to us how you can oh, no. understand yeah, the churches. No, sorry. Okay. Okay. Well, um, that's all I got. No, I'm just joking. We've got a couple minutes left. One of the things, that's it for our policy topics. We've got some more, but I I don't want to get into something that we can't give it its due. Okay. We've got a couple minutes left. And here's something I want to talk about in closing that you just do so well, that I think is just such an important spiritual, in the Catholic Conference book club, we were talking about this this last week as we're kind of wrapping up our book club. Humor mm. as like a bomb for our age. Mm. And that's something I really felt just being in the pressure cooker myself, you know, and being, having some at times candid, frank, argumentative, I try not to be argumentative ever, but, um, you know, there can be, um, you know, just when you're honest and talking politics with friends there, but uh, humor, have you always been a person of like, just such humor? How do you, Yes. Are you deliberate about this? Like, no, no, it's my. <laughs> it's just the way you are. It's just the way I am. Chris, uh, what did the drummer name his twin daughters? <laughs> I don't know. Anna one, Anna two. <laughs> well, I, I just tried to play off that's the. It. Uh, that's it. No, um, I, I've always been pretty. I mean, I'm pretty. Op my Jermaine can tell you, my wife, pretty optimistic and so on. And I just, as I've matured, just becoming comfortable and more self confident. But I'm just, yeah. I, I'm, okay, but here's the thing, too, is you also, not that you get in fights. Oh, you, yeah. You could, yeah, oh, yeah. I can, we can all see Chris Bergwald kind of getting in a, you know, oh, yeah. a heated political oh, discussion. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you consciously then say, like, 
okay, I need to bring a little humor or does it just happen? Well, uh, it tends to just happen. It's just, I think it's just innate to me. It's natural to me. I think that's just me reading like, okay, we can't take this per, this is not per, like we're getting loud, we're getting heated. We're arguing, yeah. arguing in the best sense that it's not a quarrel. Arguments and quarrels are two different things. Yeah. So sometimes I just intuit that I've got to call, we've got eight, hey, this is not personal and the humor helps that so beautifully. Well, it's a, it's a witness to me. I thank you for it. Dr. Chris Bergald, thank you for joining us. On you the bet, Chris. Today. Thank you, dear listeners, as always, for tuning in. Glad you were with us this week. As always, love listener feedback. Don't hesitate to reach out. You can go to sdcatholicconference.org. Click contact us. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know what you're interested in. You can find us on Twitter at sdcatholicconf, Facebook, Instagram, trying to get the word out, all those ways and more. Until next time. Live well.